Welcome to the Boost Health Podcast, where we are searching for wellness balance. Your host is Paul Sandberg, a certified strength and conditioning specialist with nearly 20 years of experience in the health and fitness industry and degrees in human biology and business. At Boost Health, our passion is to learn and share new wellness tactics and help individuals create their own personal health strategy. Join us on this journey of being open-minded and trying new things. You can learn more at MyBoostHealth.com. Welcome to the show. Find your balance. 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 Find your balance. That is our goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 47 of the Boost Health Podcast. Today's show features special guest, Sonali Figueres, also known as the Green Queen. I've been a fan of her work for a while, and after I became recently inspired to do more to save our planet, I asked her to join the show. Even if you're not personally inspired to do more for our planet, you should know that an environmental dimension has been added to most personal wellness balance models. So appreciating and taking care of your environment is good for your own good. Aside from that, I challenge you to listen to Sonali speak and not be inspired to be an eco-warrior. We cover a ton of topics, including how to inspire change with positivity and inclusivity, the parallel between our health and our planet's health, easy ways to change the world, the next best thing to a plant-based diet for reducing your carbon footprint, why Sonali is so excited about the Loop Project and Circular Economy, why men are not marketed to as much as women to become eco-warriors, CBD, her wellness trend predictions for 2019, and tons more. Don't miss this jam-packed episode. A couple quick announcements, and then we'll jump right into the show. Boost Health TV. The Boost Health podcast is now available via video format on the Boost Health TV YouTube channel. Boost Health TV also includes several awesome workout videos, including a new one I just created that requires no equipment. I'll link to the channel in the show notes and blog so you can check it out. Newsletter. If you haven't already signed up for the Weekly Boost newsletter, you can do so really easily by putting your name and email into the form on the homepage of myboosthealth.com. This way you don't miss any Boost Health news. All right, now here's episode number 47. Green Queen Sonali Figueres will inspire you to change. Okay, my guest on the show today is Sonali Figueres. Now, Sonali is the founder and editor-in-chief of Green Queen. You are, you are the Green Queen, I suppose. I and suppose. <laughs> it's Hong Kong's largest eco-wellness media platform advocating for social and environmental change using original, inspiring, Asia-centric content. And she's the founder and CEO of Eco Warehouse the global sourcing platform for certified organic products created with a mission to make organic farming accessible and affordable for the whole planet. With over a decade of experience in publishing SEO, digital marketing, organic trade, and health journalism, she is a eco wellness industry veteran with a keen eye for market trends and a regular on the speaking circuit, sharing her experience expertise on stages across Asia and beyond. 
Sonali also launched a podcast series, which is really good. I've been catching up on her shows. It's called the Zero Waste Movement, and it's here in Hong Kong to raise awareness about plastic pollution and the circular economy. We'll learn more about the circular economy today. And when she's not working, she is usually dreaming up new plant-based recipes in the kitchen for her family. So she's a fellow plant-based individual just like me. So we'll have lots to talk about today. I'll probably have to cut us off because we'll have <laughs> so many things to chat about. So Sonali, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank Appreciate you for it. inviting me into this beautiful space. Well, thank it's very you. zen if we're here. <laughs> and you're a new mom. Congratulations thank on that. You. So you're thank taking you. some time away to join us. I appreciate that too. Yeah, thank you. No problem. It's a pleasure. So let's talk a little bit about Green Queen. When did you launch Green Queen and what are your goals or are your goals the same as when you launched it and, and what they are now? No, they are not. <laughs> That's a good question. Green Queen is a happy accident. So when I first started it, it was meant to be just a blog to share information and resources on how to live a healthier life in Hong Kong. And there was no plan to make it a media platform or to monetize it or anything like that. Um, what happened is that a couple of years into it, I wasn't really doing much, but I realized that I had a, a loyal audience that was coming to the site every, every day. And basically I had information that people were looking for. Mm -hmm. And that really inspired me because I felt that I wasn't the only one that was trying to live a more healthy, eco-friendly life. And I realized that there were a whole lot of other people out there in Hong Kong and in Asia that were, you know, they wanted to know where to get organic food and, and how to, you know, find non-toxic beauty products and, and more eco-friendly household goods. And so that inspired me to make it into more of a media platform rather than just a me blog where I was just sharing what I thought. Mm -hmm. I felt that there was a lot of scope to provide proper resources and start doing content, interviewing um, fellow eco-warriors and, you know, sharing healthy vegan recipes and having a guide with all the businesses in this space so that people could easily find what they needed. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely have achieved that from, from what I can tell. And you're a really good writer too. I mean, it's, it's a pleasure to go on and, and read your articles. You can see why, Thank I mean, you, you don't really know that you have a voice until you just go for it. Right. Like that's kind of what I had ex experienced. You have all these ideas and you feel like you can be inspiring to people, but you don't know unless you just put yourself out there. You don't absolutely. And, and for a long time, the mission was really let's put out the best content, mm -hmm. inspiring stories, useful resources, um, articles that make you think, that make you want to act, that, that make you want to do your bit to make the world just that little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, and then as we've gone on, it's really cemented into this, what I call impact media mission. So I do think that we are Hong, Hong Kong and Asia to an extent, OG impact media. We were the first media company to not just, we weren't just saying, hey, here's a restaurant review, or hey, here's a neighborhood guide, you know, or hey, meet this person. We were saying, here's a neighborhood guide where you can support companies that are ethical mm -hmm. and that are environmentally friendly and that are trying to make Hong Kong better. Here's a recipe that is going to be, you know, meat-free so that you can eat less meat because meat is really damaging the planet. Right. You know, here's a story about someone that has taken it upon themselves to 
to fight plastic pollution. So that's that's when media stops just being media and starts being what I'm calling impact media. So you're really trying to change minds through inspiring and empowering content. Yeah. And so that's the mission today. It's really about advocating for social change, for environmental change, for consumer behavior change. Trying to say to people, hey, if you do this a little differently, it's going to make a huge difference to the health of the planet and to your health. And, and for me, you know, our health and the planet's health are inextricably linked. I feel on other platforms, those are two very separate things. But to me, they are, they go together. Yeah, I think you do a really good job at being inspiring. There's a difference between laying out a whole bunch of facts and saying, this is why you should be plant-based or this is why you should be an eco-warrior. And because this is bad and this is bad and this is bad. And you're bad if you don't do this. You don't get that that sort of vibe at all from Green Queen. It's it's inspiring. It's saying, let's do this together. Here's a whole bunch of resources to help you if you're interested. It's not shame on you. And I think that's a really important not just in the eco movement, but also in the plant-based movement. I, and I think like with Rebecca's movie, let us be here. She does a good job with that too. I think, I think that that you can scare people away instead of fanning a flame. You just, you know, poo poo somebody if they're not full vegan or, you know, if they're wearing something leather and, but they're eating plant-based and you're shutting somebody down for something that they're not maybe following through on instead of, you know, fanning the flame. I think you guys do a really good job with that on, on green queen. It's inspiring. And it makes you almost sort of, I was telling you earlier, it's almost like a euphoric feeling. Like you get excited, like, Oh, let's do this together. Let's, let's do what we can in our living space to start. And then maybe even expand beyond that. Oh, well, I'm really glad that comes through. And thank you for saying that. That is very intentional. Mm, um, green queen is a place of positivity and of inclusivity. And we're not there to, Honestly, we're not there to convert people. We're there to share inspiring content that empowers you to make changes. Those changes can be varied. You know, I always talk about this idea that everyone opens a different door on this journey. Hmm. You know, like, for example, for you, it's very clear that the door started out as fitness, (laughs) which maybe then led you to health, which maybe then led you to diet, which then maybe led you to animal rights. Okay, but you didn't start off with animal rights. Somebody else might start off with animal rights and learn about um, a plant-based diet. And then they might get into how they feel and, you know, macros and health. And then maybe they end up um, going to the gym one day. And so, you know, everyone's journey is different. Somebody else might be really into beauty. And so they really want to clean up their, their, their beauty cabinet. So they start looking into products and ingredients. And that is when they realize that there's a huge relationship between, you know, the quality of a product and, and what goes inside it and, and the ethics of a product. And so that's how they end up on this journey. Right. And then they see that the intrinsical link between, you know, a product that is, has a clean label and their own health, right? Those, those things go together. And so everyone comes at it through a different door. So we need to keep all those doors open because our readers might come to us for fitness, but then they might end up, you know, looking into buying secondhand clothes or our readers might come to us for diet, but then they realize that, you know, oh, mental health is a huge issue that they want to explore, you know? So that's the whole premise of our voices, inclusive and positive mm-hmm. and also empowering. And what that's to me that again, going back to impact media, that's the difference between just media and impact media. Imp- media is okay. Here's five reasons why 
plant-based diets are good. Mm-hmm. Mm. But in Green Queen, it's, oh, here's how plant-based diets work in your daily life. And, oh, just make this small change and see how you feel. And, oh, you might feel great. And here's what other people are doing. And they're doing it in this really easy, casual manner. And, oh, look at these awesome products that are one for, that are even better than the real thing. So you feel like, oh, I could replace my, my, in my you know, the chicken in my, in my dinner with something plant-based because there's a really easy substitution and it looks delicious and it looks fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Okay. This makes it easy. Oh, and I can get it really nearby my office. Okay. Why not? Yeah. Because one of the things I truly believe is that people do actually want to change the world. They do want to be healthier, but it has to be easy right. and it has to be convenient. And some people might say to me, well, no, you know, people should want to change the world no matter how hard it is. I don't think so. Because everyone's dealing with their own daily stuff every day, jobs, family, stress, you know, um, and they don't have time to change the world, so to speak, as their main job. That's what right. my jo- my job is to tell them what or show them how they can do these small things that do change the world and improve their lives. So there's different levels of uh, the eco warrior, it sounds like, like there's like the Sure. I mean, the term eco-warrior originally is is a term that is applied to people who, you know, really leaders in their field. But to me, everyone can be an eco-warrior. You know, you follow Green Monday, you're an eco-warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, you buy secondhand clothes, you're an eco-warrior. You know, you, you volunteer um, to pick up plastic off the beach, you're an eco-warrior. To me, I don't want to get... Obviously, there are people who make this their life's mission and their job. So obviously... That's amazing. Those people are very inspirational and they open, they open the doors for us right? and they show us, they lead the way and they see into the future, but everyone has the capacity to make small changes. Yeah, it's, well, that, that's a good way to put it. And we'll talk more about the dimensions of wellness later too. But another thing I think you all do really well on green queen is you touch on all the different seven dimensions of wellness because it's a very holistic thing wellness is it's not just your balance between your job and your life the life piece is inclusive of quite a few different dimensions and so you know we talked about this earlier it's not something that you necessarily were you know plugging into with the different dimensions but it just happened naturally because yes it there is there is sort of that crossover between nutrition and fitness and the beauty products i mean shoot 50% of what you put on your skin ends up in your bloodstream. So I would say if you wouldn't eat it, don't and then put it, it all, on your And skin. then the other 50% ends up in our waterways. Yeah, good point. So again, yeah. you're you're connected. Your skin and, and, and the ocean is connected. And that comes back into us. So yeah, it's very circular. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. So, you know, the if you look at the original wellness model, it had it had six dimensions. So mm-hmm. it was see if we can do it off the top of my head here. Physical, social, emotional, um, intellectual, the occupational, and oh, I almost had, that was five out of six, spiritual. So that's your six. And in the uh, the newer models that are coming out, um, environmental is starting to be included, which I think you would agree is a good thing. And I, like I said earlier, I've been inspired by you, um, by Rebecca with Let Us Be Heroes, our friend Christina, who is also on the panel uh, for the Vibe Tribe. And, um, it, it's, it's a really cool feeling to start to get involved in this 
sort of equal warrior movement. So one of the things I'm looking at with boost is, is trying to look at what we make for apparel and, and can we do that more eco-friendly? Our kids just came home with new, uh, uniforms. They're, they're PE uniforms. Uh, they're made out of recycled plastic bottles. Like it's, it's starting to happen. I mean, you can sort of feel this. Is that from Tsunami Sport? Uh, I can't remember if it's from Tsunami or not, but yeah, yeah, I know you introduced me to, to Andrew. That sounds like a really cool company. He's been fighting that battle for a long time. Yeah. It sounds like he's one of the leaders. He's an eco-warrior right there. Yeah. He's somebody who saw a problem and effected change right there in his, in his job. And and that's very powerful because he supplies a huge amount of children and, and, and professional athletes. So, and how, I mean, there is the obvious thing about how cool it is where they're coming home when they're really nicely made. Uh, mm. these pieces are great. Um, but how important is it that, that kids are understanding that they're wearing something recycled? Like I think starting at a young age and ha- having that appreciation for, you know, that upcycling and recycling process in the clothing industry. And we'll talk about the clothing industry in a little bit. I, I really loved your podcast that you did uh, recently on that topic, but I think it's great that, and even at school um, is starting our little you know, at home process of trying to do a little bit better with plastic. Uh, my son's teacher said, Hey Cam, why don't you, uh, reuse that Ziploc bag that you had your sandwich packed in? He's like, Oh yeah, cool. So we would bring it home and clean it out or whatever. And we'd use it for like a week. And then our next step is let's just not even use plastic bags anymore. Now let's use, you know, sort of a, just a plastic container that we can wash and just keep reusing. So just those little things, but it's really cool how you sort of get inspired and motivated to, to do the little things at home. Like you guys talk about, it's pretty fun. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that environmental um, has become one of the seven pillars of of the wellness balance model. I think environmental um, concerns have also now become a much bigger deal in schools and in, in, Mm -hmm. in, in in curricula. So, um, what I find when I talk to our readers and, and people around around town is that it's their kids that are actually pushing them <laughs> yes. to do better. Yeah. So a lot of the, the, the change is starting from the children. So I'm not worried about the children. Now, in terms of at what age do you fully understand what the circular economy is? Do you need to understand it when you're five? No. Mm-hmm. But do you need to know that turtles get damaged by plastic bags? you're perfectly capable of understanding that at five and it's very visual to you. And usually children are naturally um, um, compassionate towards animals. So we actually, we lose that as we get older, which is the the problem with with where we're at. But children naturally want to protect animals and and cherish them and take care of them. So definitely not worried about the children. Yeah. But, um, But to go back to the environmental element into the wellness balance model, I actually didn't know about that balance model until you brought it up. So very interesting to learn more about it. I actually think that the fact that it was missing um, from the original six tells you that we were a little bit broken mm-hmm. as, as a world, as a society, and that we had completely disconnected from nature. Because for me, I don't see how you can be truly well if you don't have the natural world wellness part uh, environmental health part as well as i've been mentioning as we've been talking they're all linked yes and you know here this is where you want to go into you know in ayurveda um and in, in in yoga 
in the in pursuit of yoga you have to go to nature to look for your peace right right um the japanese have this wonderful word shinrin yoku which is you know forest bathing yes now yes. they may not have known it at the time but we now know that being in a forest lowers your blood pressure yes we now know that you know um humans thrive in cities that are that have that have a biophilic design that means they're designed around the concepts of nature and and the environment we we now know that just looking at nature on a screen actually relaxes us hmm. so we need nature therefore we must protect nature and cherish it i don't know that you can really be well and be in balance if you are not in balance with your with nature i have i have to agree it, it just you know one of the things you talk about is you know making small steps and, and sort of being an N equals one experiment, which I always talk about too, you know, and just trying things out, being open-minded to new ideas. Try this, go, if you have access to grass or mountain or a beach, go stand barefoot on our planet for five minutes and meditate or, you know, do some gratitude journaling or something like that. And just do that for a week and, and tell me you don't feel better. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. I feel the same way. I mean, I... It's been a little bit rough lately because I have a newborn and to be honest, anyway, he, he couldn't go outside for a little bit. So normally though, before I gave birth, I was on the trails every, that's my, that's how I get my. The trails here are awesome. Right. Yeah. And that's how I get my moment. Like I have to go every week. And you know, the fact that I haven't been able to go for a few weeks has actually been a real issue because I've been missing the trees. Mm -hmm. For me, trees are therapy. Yes. Absolutely. You know, you go there, even if it's polluted, even if it's not perfect, just being around the trees for even 20 minutes, hopefully a couple of hours, just completely changes, you know, your outlook. Yeah. And so in that wellness dimension, you might say, well, what does that mean to be balanced with your environmental wellness? It's an appreciation as much as it is anything else. Just acknowledging your surroundings like there's people that have lived in hong kong their whole life that have never gone on these trails it's unbelievable yes and they're i mean that's like the national sport here <laughs> is is trail running and hiking so i thought it was shopping well yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it probably is <laughs> yeah that's what we need to stop anyway at least they're walking around a little bit when they do that but yeah mm. it's yeah you're you know half a mile away from some sensational trails and, um, so just that awareness, that initial awareness of your surroundings and then appreciating it is really what, what the environmental dimension of, of wellness is about. If you appreciate it, then you're not going to be toxic to it. Right. You'll Absolutely. It, again, and it connects you to animals. It connects you to plants. It's the door that, that gets you to understand that we need to protect the planet. And if you want to protect your planet and, and keep admiring its beauty and cherishing its, its, its wonder, you're going to have to eventually connect the dots to how you live your life every day. Speaking of nature, have you seen the porcupines here in Hong Kong? Yes, I have. Do you know how big they are? They're I had no. I've been. I've seen million pictures of my. They could I, eat my dog. Yeah, they're they're like. <laughs> so I was going up uh, a bike ride up the peak this morning, and one of these little guys—they're so cute too. They're just kind of waddle along. I think um, they're cute. Yeah. I mean, you should see how people get scared though when we see them. <laughs> yeah. I suppose they could make you have a little bit of pain if you got shot by the mm. quill, but, uh, but they are cute little guys, but yeah, just, you know, if you're not getting out there, 
my point is I've seen a lot of pictures that my buddies have taken while they're out cycling or running or whatever of them, but I had never seen one here in Hong Kong in person. And so you're not going to experience that unless you go out in the three dimensional world, get in nature and, and experience it. So I think absolutely, that's a good absolutely. Um, there is enough nature here to, to be at Zen, to, to be Zen. You just have to go, you have to go look for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and as a parent, you have to push your children to do that. Um, m hopefully make it a family activity, you know? Yeah. And they're naturally it, curious. It doesn't it's have to be with an athletic goal. It can just be with a discovery goal or just a fresh air goal or just a like family outing goal, you know? Yes. They're, everyone's different. You don't have to do trail running if, if you're not an, ex you know, a super extreme athlete. You could just be walking. Yeah. That's a good point. You and know, walking still, you know, one of the best things, even if you're like, you're injured. Um, if you can walk, that's actually one of the best ways you can recover too, is just right. moving there. We're learning more and more now. It's not necessarily as much about throwing your leg up and putting some ice on it. It's actually more about just keeping your body moving. We're going to heal much is that faster. What functional though. movement. It's right? part of it. Yeah. That, yeah, that's become very popular in the last couple and of years. Part of the theory with functional movement too, is just, you know, we're athletes, we're all human athletes. And so what is going to make us the most functional as a human athlete, especially since we're sitting a lot at our desks, even if you're at a sit stand station, you're still sedentary. So functional movement is about making us ready for operating in a three dimensional world. We all have to squat every day. <laughs> we all have to pick things up every day. So right. functional movement is basically doing things in your fitness regime that will apply to real life. So standing in front of the mirror, still doing bicep curls, eh, not so functional, but a deep squat with an overhead press. Now that's a functional movement that applies to life. That's what, that's what it kind of means. Yeah. And then if you're not able to do that, then, you know, prehab and rehab training to get your body to the point where it is mobile enough to, to do those functions. So basically movements. like making your everyday comfortable and so that you can get through the day without aches and pains and yes exactly and even maybe Seems very sensible increased performance too, like more productivity and everything if if you're more functional because obviously if you have pain and aches you lose time definitely all right well we've talked about this on the show a few times and you know this sonali since you're the green queen um the number one thing you can do to reduce your carbon footprint is to eat a plant-based diet mm-hmm you can actually reduce your carbon footprint by 73%. <laughs> There's nothing else you can do that's going to reduce it by that much. So start there. But are, what are a few other things that folks can do to reduce their carbon footprint starting right away? Are there some things that they buy can... Buy less stuff. Buy less stuff. I mean... That seems so obvious, but people don't think about that. Buy less stuff. Stop buying stuff. You've got everything you need most of the time. Yes. So definitely... If we want to um, get, if we want fast fashion and fast consumer products to, to, to get to decrease, we need to stop buying it and asking mm -hmm. for it. Um, also, most of the stuff we buy, we just waste. Yes. So if you really are a compulsive shopper, switch from buying in the linear economy to buying in the circular economy. Buy secondhand, buy reused, buy pre-loved. There is more than enough to go around, and especially in Hong Kong, it's amazing how much you can you can get if you're a new mom, or new parents, or if you're even if you're looking for a car, um, or if you need clothes. There's so much that's secondhand mm. and in great quality. You do not need to buy new. 
So just say no to the malls and stop buying. I also truly believe that buying things is absolutely not the way to inner happiness and peace. (laughs) So I think that if you buy less, you actually improve your mental health. Interesting. Interesting. So we, we all, we, we have too much stuff and we, 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 we buy too much and it's this empty pursuit where, you know, the, the wonder at buying something new lasts like five minutes Mm -hmm. and then boom, the utility has just sunk into the ground. So it's a waste and you end up with all this stuff that you don't need and it doesn't make you happy. And, you know, there's this huge trend going on right now, minimalism in your, in, in, in our, in our home spaces, in our office, everyone's trying to like declutter, right? Mm-hmm. Japanese lady, um, Marie Kondo with her yes. KonMari, all of that. And what is that? That is, that is recognizing that stuff has a, a sort of a physical weight, but also a mental weight. Hmm. Interesting. So, so your brain is like, sorry to interrupt you. So your brain is heavy with all this stuff. Yeah. It's like storing a spot for it. It's like, okay, I have this now. I need to compartmentalize this here. If that's not there, then it's just like, why are spas? So such clean spaces. Yeah. Why are meditation um, centers bare? Okay. Yeah. Okay. What do all the great spiritual traditions of the world say? They say, go in, you know, less stuff, be ascetic, have, you know, you don't, things are not important, but there, it's also linked to the fact that if you want to reach a, a, a more inner calm in, within yourself, you do, you know, all this stuff, all this clutter makes you, it makes it hard for you to focus. So start with just being aware of whether or not you're sort of a serial shopper and, and maybe Bring scale that back a little Just bit. Just say I'm not going to buy anything for a month. For a month, See what okay. Happens. I mean, except for food. Right. Okay. Yeah, I've seen sort of extreme cases like Lisa, who is on the show, owner of Confusion Plant Based mm. Restaurant. She's down to, uh, I think, 25 articles of clothing, which to my wife would sound like a crazy thing, but I'm sure Lisa sort of worked her way to get to that. And then um, I think I've seen somebody else that did like a one year challenge. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. Profiled her. Yeah, you? yeah. That's where I saw that. Okay, so one year no new clothes, right? A lot of people doing that. That's cool. That's really cool. Doesn't mean you can't look great, right? And take pride in your in in your fashion sense. It's just you are not putting anything new into the economy. You're you're going into what we call the circular economy, where you're constantly keeping things in use. Um, but that's one part of it. The other part of it, to me, is is the mental aspect that you mm. are going to feel lighter you know i mean there are studies that show that in clean spaces people work better Mm -hmm. yes they have higher outputs in their jobs so i mean just thing that shows you that we all are you know weighed down by our stuff mentally as well as physically so i've i've never heard of anyone who sort of decluttered their life and gone minimalist and been unhappy as well. Yeah, result. I should have never done that. <laughs> you know, Nobody says it's that. It's like right? that funny adage. Um, I regret going to the gym, says no one ever, right? right? Yeah, it's yeah, the same exactly. thing. I regret going minimalist, says no one ever. You know, it's it it's 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 a positive thing. Okay. And it so it's a really easy rule. You know, buy less stuff. Okay. So buy less stuff, go plant based. Anything else easy that you can think of for people to to start with? Well, obviously, if you're talking on the fashion, we are in a very fashion-centric city. 
try to choose secondhand. Secondhand. I mean, that is part of the buy less stuff, but we can separate it out. Um, get out on the get out on the trails. Like go once a week for a hike. Mm. Again, I go back to that. That is going to connect you to nature, which is going to connect you to your health and the planet's health, right? Because until you make those connections, I'm you're it's not you're not going to be motivated to do whatever it is you need to do to you know stay on a plant based diet or consume less, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you know, go do a beach cleanup. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an easy one. Just do one beach cleanup. There is no chance that you will do a beach cleanup and not come out of that going. I need to stop. With yeah, the plastic. yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, gosh, and how bad was it after our um, the, tsunami, the ty- the typhoon. typhoon? Excuse me. Yeah, that was whew. Stanley because we're so exposed down here on the south side. It was just upside down. I mean, it was really car tires and trailers and Trailer, plastics really. galore. I mean, it was yeah. To your point, that well, that's still there. Yeah, it might be moved around or cleaned up, but now you know most people who are in the you know the anti-plastic brigade in Hong Kong, they'll tell you that the plastic is actually deep in the sand. So we're just like collecting the flotsam that's coming from the water. But what about the stuff that's in the beaches? Wow. Yeah. So an easy thing there. It sounds so obvious, but I see people drinking out of plastic water bottles every day. So just get your own. Reusable bottle. water bottle and carry it around with you everywhere. You I, I have this great example of my, you know, of my husband, because people don't, not everybody wants to be the voice of a movement. Okay? <laughs> it's not easy. Well, it's not, it might, it's not just that it's not easy. It's that not everybody is inclined. Other people are doing other things. Sure. Sure. My husband is not looking to be the voice of the plastic free movement. However, Thanks to obviously being married to me, he got himself a reusable coffee cup from Starbucks. And people at work started asking him, "What is? Wh- why? Why? What's this cup? I'm bringing my own cup. We get a cup of coffee every day at Starbucks. So why would I waste the the the, the single use cup?" Yeah. I think it was his boss or his colleague said, "Oh." Oh, that sounds smart. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to get a cup. Yeah. And then, and I think the boss said to the whole team, okay, everybody has to get a cup or I'm not buying you coffee. Nice. So before you know it, just bringing a reusable cup to work has converted X number of people. That's really cool. Who then have done the same thing for their circle. So again, this is not somebody being an activist. This is someone bringing a reusable cup to work. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's not. You know, in the same way that your son was it your son brought back the said that his teacher said stop using the, the Ziploc zip yeah. and then eventually you're going to go into reusable Ziplocs and then you're going to never have Ziploc bags again. Yeah. Then how many you're going to save? Yes, absolutely. Hundreds just a our year. family. Yeah, just our family doing our own little thing. That's really cool. And yeah, to your point, it's not like marching down the street hitting people with a giant away. poster and, <laughs> yeah. and a loudspeaker. You don't have to be don't that don't person be that at way. all. You yeah. can be quiet and just bring a reusable cup to work. A quiet, powerful eco-warrior. I like it. That's good. Everyone's an eco-warrior in their way. I want to talk a little bit about your show. Um, I listened to the, it's called The Zero Waste Journey. It's on iTunes. Check it out. Um, Google all the the platforms. Um, This one you did, it was called Fashion Waste in the Circular Economy. Mm. I, I admit I didn't really know what the circular economy was. Once I started listening, it made a lot of sense. Um... I was taking all kinds of notes throughout the show and I don't want to steal your thunder, but some of the things 
that I thought were really interesting. So uh, this is here in Hong Kong. No, no, sorry. Globally, three-fourths of our clothing ends up in landfills. Mm -hmm. Okay, crazy. Here in Hong Kong, 150 tons of clothing is incinerated um, or put in a landfill daily. 150 tons, that's a lot. And so Edwin, he's with Hong Kong Rita. Um, he's doing all kinds of really cool stuff with, with his projects and uh, in his lab, if you will. And so one of them was they're taking clothes, recycled clothes, they're breaking them down and getting all the different fibers. So if it's, I guess the hard thing is if it's a piece of clothing that's like cotton and polyester, they actually have to separate those. They separate it out and just make really cool yarn that people can use. That's pretty sweet. So they, they along with the H&M Foundation and the Novotex, which is, Novotex is, the, is Hong Kong and Asia's probably biggest yarn company. So all three of the, and then Hong Kong Rita is supported by the Hong Kong government. So it's the Hong Kong Research Institute of Textiles. And apparel. And apparel. So their job is to kind of advance the cause of, of, you know, innovate with textiles. That's great. That's what Edwin, Edwin's their leader and spokesperson. And then you've got the H&M Foundation who has made it their mission now to really address the problems of the fast fashion supply chain. This is H&M the big. Yes, H&M the big. So from, if you listen to the podcast, Hannah Holland was there. She's the head yeah. of sustainability for H&M in, in Hong Kong and greater China. She's super fantastic lady. I mean, all that was a really all-star panel as mm. to be honest, they all are. Um, that one of the reasons, you know, I think you, you asked me, why did I do this podcast? It's just another thing I have to do. And, <laughs> And I have a lot on my plate, so why? And it's because when I realized that the zero waste concept um, and topic had become so uh, attractive and popular, um, I realized, you know, everyone and their uncle was saying, okay, here, here, you know, you need to use a metal straw instead of a plastic straw. And that's great. That's a really important part of the conversation too. But I realized that there, there wasn't enough go of going deeper. Mm-hmm. So the podcast to me serves to have a conversation with three experts that, and who are really leading in their fields on the topic. And I try to get different points of view and we go deep. We're not just saying, hey, use a metal straw. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're explaining, you know, what is the first episode was, you know, what is this plastic problem? Why do we have a plastic problem in the oceans? You know, mm-hmm. the second episode was, how does this recycling in Hong Kong work? So that was really interesting because we had an NGO fellow. Um, we had a, a social enterprise that that recycles, right? And then we had um, a government uh, representative, well, a district councilor. So he's elected for his for his for his district. And you know, it's amazing how deep you can go with people who really are experts. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's the point of the podcast. It's to really go, well, one, I love audio and I was inspired by my co-host Regina Larco, who does the hashtag impact podcast. Mm -hmm. When I, she's the one who really made me believe that, you know, Hong Kong could have podcasts and people were interested because I'd been listening to podcasts before from the U S and from the UK, but I didn't know that I didn't know that there'd be um, an audience here. But when, when she inspired me, I thought, okay, let's go deeper. And instead of doing this like zero waste digging with, with words, let's try audio. Yeah. And it works really well. And it's, it's a really, you know, there's an organic feel to the, to the dialogue. Obviously there's some preparation, but we also allow the conversation to go where it will go. 
Right. So a lot of great stuff has come out of that. And then episode um, four was about food waste. Yeah, yeah. That was really interesting as well. And then finally, episode five, we were doing fashion waste, textile waste. And really what what one of the main topics during that episode was about Hong Kong's first recycled yarn mill, which has just opened. And that's what they were all talking about. That's so cool. And it's really interesting to have, again, we had three different stakeholders. We had Edwin, who's from the innovation side with, with there's some government backing behind what he does. You know, Hong Kong Rita is sort of somewhat sponsored by the government. And then you've got Hannah, who's working for, you know, the biggest fast fashion company in the world. And then you had Sarah Garner, who was, uh, who's a founder of Retycle. So she is an example of an entrepreneur who is, you know, innovating in the way she's doing business. So she runs this platform where you can um, resell your luxury kids clothing. That's so instead so of wasting it. Right. And she, there's a whole story on how she does, and she does a really great job. And I think she's created a huge market for herself. But again, those are three different ways to solve the problem. Right. Yes. And that's, what's really important to me for each episode is to show that you need different stakeholders to solve a problem. Yeah. It was really interesting. And I appreciated the content that each one of those guests provided and I learned a ton. And I think it was an hour, maybe just a little bit more. But to your point, like this audio long form that's sort of popular right now, it, it gives maybe your reader won't read more than 800 words necessarily, but they'll go listen to long form because they can listen to the show while they're doing the dishes or walking the dog right? or whatever. Absolutely. So I think it's great that you have that as an additional option for people to go deeper. Right, that's to go really deeper. Great. And I, Right now I'm doing the series on zero waste, but I think I will explore other other topics. It it, it lends very well to um, profiling interesting people. Audio mm-hmm. does. Does. Um but it's it's super important for every every episode to really see how different people are tackling a problem mm-hmm. and to show the collaborative nature of our global fight against climate change and environmental destruction and all of it. We can't do it alone. No, no. We need governments. We need private industry. We need NGOs. And we just need people to to be inspired. Really just genuinely be inspired. Exactly. Which is why for the food waste article, I had the writer, the food writer, Janice Lang Hayes, who is really passionate about food waste. And she's, you know, if you look up food waste in Hong Kong, she's written so many of the articles and she's brought it to people's attention because at the end of the day, it's great if people are doing stuff in their labs or in their charity offices, but we, the public need to know about it. Yes. So she fulfills an important role, you know? Yeah. Along with, we had Daisy from, um, from Hong Kong Baptist university, who's basically Hong Kong's foremost food waste expert. Hmm. She's just got awarded a Fulbright scholarship and was just in Massachusetts for a year doing research on a food waste platform solution. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, go listen to all of the episodes. <clears throat> a couple of things that I took away from from this the fashion waste one was obviously we are putting way too many clothes into landfills. And you know, the solution with recycle is great because how much of that is kids' clothes because they're growing they so long. dang fast. Yeah, they don't last long, they tear through them, whatever. It makes me crazy all the kids stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um one of the other things that Edwin at Hong Kong Rita was working on that I thought was just amazing 
remember how he was talking about how they're creating this polyester out of food waste? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. That's so food one. waste is a huge problem. It's like tackling two Kong. birds with one stone. We're handling this issue with food waste and and making new clothes from from Hence recycling. Hence the too. importance of having multi multiple stakeholders in the discussion and, and yeah. collab- the collaboration opportunities because it's all linked. So this is polyester that's not plastic based. This is polyester from. I think he was saying that they actually you know, break it down and, and it's amino acids and sugars and they feed it and grow it. And, and it's totally, uh, plastic free, which is really cool too. It's nice to recycle plastic in a new clothes, but it's also nice to, to make I don't know if you that's... saw, but we just did a profile on this wonderful Indian startup called Malai and they're making coconut leather. Oh, so vegan yes, leather, um, made from the waste of producing coconuts. Yeah, it's so like those shoes. Waste. Those shoes are really those cool sh- looking. Yeah. So, yeah. and then you've got the wonderful Spanish lady who created Pina Tex, where she makes um, pineapple leather from pineapple waste <laughs> from the pineapple leaves. That's incredible. Yeah, in the Philippines. So, you know, there are other solutions out there. Yeah, and it's usually in nature. We're actually at a spot now where it's not, you know, ho hum. This is cool stuff. Like it's a cool yeah, look time. Look at Adidas. Yes. By 2024, they said that all their shoes and apparel are going to be made out of recycled materials. Wow. That's, that's, I and mean, how many, they've shown a million pairs of those shoes with the made from the plastic bottles. Oh, yes. That's right. The whole upper is plastic. Yeah. Uh, they're putting it on their boost platform. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's stuff going on, there are solutions. We have to buy into them. I mean, to, this week was an exceptionally exciting week. Um, I don't know if you saw my editor's letter in our newsletter yesterday, but basically, so obviously Davos has been going on, the World Economic Forum in Davos, and um, a huge announcement was made um, that about the zero waste movement. So this 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 company, this sort of social enterprise called The Loop, well, actually their, their, their original company is called TerraCycle, but they created this Loop platform. I don't know if you saw this. Mm-hmm. So they they joined up with major food companies like Unilever, um, Pepsi. I mean, sorry, Coca Cola, um, Procter and Gamble, Nestle, um, all the big food, all the FMCG companies, right? And they convinced them to get involved in this circular packaging economy. Hmm. So now instead of getting your Hagen Dazs in a non in a single use carton, you're going to get it in a metal container. And the loop is going to deliver it. You're going to order it online. The loop's going to deliver it. And then they're going to pick up the packaging and put it back into reuse. And they're doing this for laundry detergent, for snacks, for granola, for oatmeal, like all your favorite brands. Wow. Are are involved. That's really cool. So they're testing it out in the New York area and in the Paris area in France, because I I believe part of the team is French. And this is going to revolutionize the world. That is really cool. I mean, and what does it show? Why is it such a big deal? Because one, it shows that there is a huge acknowledgement from the big brands that recycling doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work, right? Only 9% of plastics worldwide are recycled. Nine? I had no idea. Wow. So recycling is not the answer. So this is an acknowledgement that we will not conquer this problem with recycling. This is huge. This is a structural change in how we approach yeah, the problem we've of been plastics. Recycling for Because everyone's been saying recycling is the for 25 the years, answer, right? But I mean, it's not forever. working. Right. Two, it is a huge acknowledgement of 
people like my readers who have been demanding for other solutions, who've been going, who've been shopping in bulk. You know, a lot of the FMCG companies are losing their customers to stores like a Live Zero or Edgar or, or what have you, mm-hmm. or, you know, stores where you can buy plastic free, container free. Right. All the consumers that have been advocating for that and putting their dollars elsewhere have had to have caused all these FMCG companies to think we need a different solution. Oh, we're going to lose all our customers. Yeah. It's 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, it was sort of more of a corporate social responsibility to, you know, make themselves look good. Maybe they had a good good intent, good PR. It's not about that anymore. It is. If if you're not to social media, you will be called out immediately. Yes. Yes. You're, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. If you're, if you're not, doing some of these things to make your company more green. I mean, you really will just shoot yourself in the foot. You're going to be toast. Exactly. So this is huge. This, and, and this shows the power of the most important thing you can do, which is vote with your dollar, vote with your dollar, whether it's not using that dollar at all. So not buying stuff Mm -hmm. or whether it's using that dollar to support brands, products, companies that have, their ethics in check, mm-hmm. whether it's from an environmental point of view, from a from a human point of view, right? You should also care. It's not enough to care about the environment. You also have to care about the workers that are making your products, you know, um, and you have to care about your health. Like the product has to also be good for your health. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's it's huge news. It's it's an exciting it's time. It's an exciting. It time. is a really exciting time. There and are solutions. You, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm you know, really excited and studying this a lot right now, but I, I, I feel excited to continue to do more, you know, as a family unit. And I mean, is that, is it normal to feel like this, like energy and excitement when you're, I think so. I I think that you, you mentioned the word euphoria. I think there is a euphoria. It, it, to me, it's like everything lines up because Mm -hmm. you're in a way you're sort of, you're at one with your, your destiny to be, a human that is engaging with the, with the world around you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's part it's, of the balance. It's just a different way of saying it. Yeah. I, I'm glad that we talked about how it's, it's a environmental is literally a wellness dimension in order for you to have your energy in each of your dimensions in check. And you might be really strong and physical and you might be really weak in environmental. You, that means you need to put more energy to that to become more balanced. If you think of the wellness as a, as a wheel and each one of these dimensions is a spoke, you may not necessarily need to put as much energy in some of the other spokes, mm. but if you're not putting any energy into that, then you're definitely going to be out of balance. Absolutely. Maybe that's where the energy is coming from for, for me is, is that, you know, I'm just, I'm putting more energy where it needed to be. So, Oh, before we leave the clothing, um, a couple other things that came out of that show. So we talked about H and M, I didn't know like every single H&M store has like a, a collection bin where they you can do. take. That's really, really great. And, and then Zara has them too. Zara does too. Okay. And so by 2030, they're saying that every piece of clothing will be from recycled or sustainable source. I know sustainable isn't as great as, as recycled, but they're, they're really for a brand that big. If you think about how much product they put out 2030, that's a pretty aggressive goal. It's an aggressive goal. And it's, I mean, Hannah spoke very, very, um, inspiringly on their behalf in the show. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people did contact me. I mean, there are, there's always going to be skeptics, right? At the end of the day, the number, 
the best thing, yes, in a way would be not to buy. Yes. However, the mind shift that needs to happen um, across the world for no one to buy new clothes is probably a bit daunting at the moment. <laughs> so yes. we do need other solutions on the way solutions, let's call them. Well, I think it's good that there's sort of high fashion recycled um, brands or companies, I guess you should say, like they focus on getting, you know, like the bigger name brands and bringing them back in after, you know, somebody's used the product. So they're sort of gently used, really vintage, pre-loved, all that. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll help a lot. Well, also because... the rebranding of it. You know, I think a few years ago in Asia, the idea of wearing secondhand clothes was sort of the idea of felt like it was for people maybe who didn't have any money. Right. So it was something that you wouldn't do. Like the whole point of having money is you can have new. So divorcing that concept that, you know, the best is new. Yeah. It's, it's about. Or that it's covet, like to covet that, to covet newness and. And, and and lots of stuff. We, you know, there's a mind shift happening there. Yeah, I think it's uh, maybe not the right term, but it almost seems like a cool factor, but it doesn't seem like a cool factor that's going to wear off. It seems like there's this huge growing awareness now. It's almost like, people that said plant-based is just sort of a trend. No, <laughs> it's a, it's a you big train that's getting faster. It, it is faster. a trend, yeah. but it is not only a trend. Right. Yeah. That's um, true. And also it's a trend that we need. Yes. So if, if that's, it's worst quality, let's call it a trend. You yeah. Know? Um, but people, this millennials and generation Z have changed the status symbols. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. It's not a big house and, you know, five cars and like as many clothes as you can afford and, you know, convenience food. Millennials and Gen Z, they, they demand, a, they, their status symbols are different. Right. It's, you have to be conscious. You have to be eco-friendly. You have to be plant-based. You have to really consider that you have to be ethically minded. You have to support brands that have social missions. So what, what is that coming from? You probably have a good... Uh, theory on that is it from our education system and they came up in that and they had more education about eco-friendly was it um information that's available now to us more readily with you know in the palm of our hand we can see everything that we need why isn't that permeating into our older generations though mm, i think it is um permeating but why is it why the young well um <laughs> I think it was the convergence or the confluence, I should say, of the fact that the 80s and the 90s and the generations that came before millennials really kind of raped the planet. Yeah. And then yeah. that coupled with the arrival of social media and the internet and dissemination of information at warp speed 24 hours a day has created this opportunity for an awareness shift Yes. Okay. in, okay, well, we've, you know, these factories are destroying the planet. Climate change is, is real. Um, you know, in order to eat cheese, a, a cow has to be impregnated 12 months of the year mm -hmm. and her baby calf has to be stilled and away from her. I don't think that people knew that right. 15 years ago. I don't think there were, there wasn't a, a platform like Facebook or Instagram where you could see the videos right. of this, of, of, of said cows or of the chickens cooped up or, you know, this has only really become mass 
um, mass knowledge in the last five, 10 years. Yeah. You know? Um, so definitely it's those two things. Um, I always joke that vegetarians are persona non grata. So I just, I always find it so funny because it, you know, in the seventies being vegetarian, I mean, that was the vegan, yeah. right? This vegan term wasn't such a big, it was like, you're vegetarian, you're the hippie, right? Yes. And now if you're a vegetarian, you know, it's sort of like, well, why would you be a vegetarian? If, if you care about animals, you go all the way. Right. Yes. And sometimes I feel like vegans give more of a hard time to vegetarians <laughs> than to the meat eater who eats ve- ve- vegetarian once a day. It's like, clap, clap, clap. You're amazing. That's great. Yeah. You know, but vegetarians are like, oh, pick a side, man. Yeah. Pick a side. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's just, it's so funny. It's that's it's a dirty word you know even in search you know, nobody wants to search that time it's all about vegan or plant-based interesting yeah. so vegetarian's not even coming up anymore yeah. yeah but obviously what's the you know it used to be that why was a vegetarian eating eggs and cheese because we didn't i don't think there was such an understanding of what industrial dairy and industrial egg production was was involved oh yeah i also truly believe that 40 50 years ago it wasn't this bad. We weren't mincing male chicks, at, you know, when, in order to produce our eggs. Right. Yeah. You know, cause the, just, we just weren't trying to feed as many people either. And we didn't have the, the technology wasn't, wasn't there. Yeah. You know, I mean, but obviously the world has changed and now eating dairy and eating eggs is a very different choice than it was 40 years ago or even 20 years ago. Um, but if you have to see, the vi- you, visuals are super important to get people to change their minds. So I think the fact that millennials and Gen Z list um, generations have such access to their life is very visual. Everything's on the screen. It's very digital. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, um, the internet has made them, you know, the power of a visual versus reading a thousand words. It's true. And, and I You'll always change faster. I always say too that, you know, you're never going to change somebody's beliefs. Even if you're the, give the best speech in the whole world, you might inspire somebody, but they're not going to change their beliefs unless they have a different experience. And so whatever you can do to push somebody just that little bit further to have that experience. Yeah. And the visuals of Instagram and Facebook make that very, you know, you watch one video I remember my mom seeing the video of the diver in Bali with with all the plastic that went around in 2017 or 2018. And that was it. Yes. So one video and she goes, okay, I get it now. This is a disaster. We have to stop. I'm going to stop using plastic. That's awesome. I could have said how many of her speeches, (laughs) but one video. Yeah. And it's the same. You know, when I saw what was really happening to cows, it really, I didn't Mm. understand about the cheese before, you know? Yes. And that's another thing. It's important to be kind to people and to understand that everyone's on a different part of their journey, you know, Yes. and there's no better than anyone else and, and no shaming and no, no, no name calling, you know, people have to get there how they get there and they have to open their doors as and when is right for them. My friend, Christy, um, who, <laughs> you know, she's good friends um, with us and I, I went plant-based five years ago and, um, her and her husband gave it a little go and it didn't really sit right with him at that time. And so, you know, 
they're we go on family vacations together and all that kind of stuff so they're around my plant-basedness all the time um but she watched let us be heroes and she's like okay that's it i'm i'm switching I was like, man, I'm not as inspiring as Let Us Be Heroes. So to your point, I mean, it's but a I, great I, but, documentary But no, like because that. you planted the seeds. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? But just making a point that that, that visual... Documentaries that, have a huge power of, yes. of, of, of inciting change. But for people to see the documentaries, somebody needs to point to them. So there's That's also true. that. So, you know, that again, going back to there's many stakeholders. I'll take some credit after all then. You definitely should. <laughs> Is your, is your, are your wife and children vegan too? No, but I mean, pretty close. My wife is pretty close. I mean, she eats mostly vegan just because she eats a lot of what you, you eat, know, what I eat. Yeah. And so, um, if she's going out to a work dinner, she'll have, um, you know, meat or dairy on occasion, but not very much. So she's, when you, when you try to do it as a, a family unit, I should say this. If somebody in the family is trying to do it without any support, I think that would be really hard. It would have been one thing if she would have said, okay, we're both doing it together. We're both going plant-based. She didn't do that necessarily, but she couldn't have been more supportive. Every time we go to a restaurant, even today, uh, she's looking at the menu for me to make sure that there's something on there for me. So, you know, you can have that support even if somebody's not necessarily on the exact same plan. Agreed. You know, that's wonderful. All right, do, I want to. Yeah, do your kids ask you questions about? Oh, how they you do. Eat? They're like, now, Dad, we made some cookies at school, but you cannot have any because it has dairy in it. You know, so they're really aware. And my daughter sometimes she'll be like, "I'm going to eat like Daddy tonight. I'm going to have some green peas and some corn and apples. I'm going to be a vegan just like Daddy." So, I never shame them or push them in any direction. I just try to be a good example and and. You know, if I have a hot dog and their stomach hurts, I'm, I don't say, well, see, I told you. I'd just be like, just think about that, how you feel. If if that's something that's not making you feel good, maybe just think about it next time. So I don't know. I mean, parenting is its own, you know, two hour show. But I think if you just set a good example and encourage them to eat healthy foods without shaming, it's it's that's pretty much a win. <laughs> My son is so picky, though. Uh, it'll be I will be excited for him as his taste buds change and he starts to try more foods because it's pretty, pretty tough for him right now. Oh, yeah. But but that is actually now proven that some kids really do have different. They're tasting things differently. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's not just because they're picky eater. (laughs) He's really actually there are actually phases. You do actually, as you grow up, develop a bigger, a stronger taste for Sorry, stronger appreciation for broccoli or spinach or, or bitter food. Bitter foods are often difficult for children when they're younger. I mean, it's not all just somebody being difficult. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a chip off the old block. I mean, I was just like that when I was a little kid. I was, if you ask my mom, I was a terror. I would just, I had like five foods that I would eat. And I think he's just like me. And if he is, then he'll have this sort of expansion or new horizon of foods at about college or so (laughs) yeah I don't know why I don't know why but I started eating a lot more different foods in college um I want to talk a little bit about sort of the eco warrior eco warrior movement and you know recycled fashion and and I don't feel like men are marketed to as much with that just like with the whole eco movement in general now there's you know I have a few examples there's well, Patagonia, everybody knows Patagonia. They're they're a really cool sort of outdoor brand. They've they're since the day one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Adidas, as we talked to about. A higher standard. They do. Bam, Sun Dry, G Star, just a few examples. 
And, uh, you know, I think they, they probably do some of the best jobs of, of marketing to both sides, but I don't know. Do, do companies think that males aren't really going to respond to that type of marketing and advertising, or is it just me in my head? What do you think? Snowing? Well, first of all, I'm glad you brought this up because I hadn't thought about it. So that was me being a little bit gender myopic. No. Um, but if I kind of take a step back and I put on my kind of consumer behavior um, hat, it has to do with the buying dollars and who is responsible for most of the buying choices we make. So mm-hmm. that would be women. A lot of kind of eco-marketing has to do with, you know, household products, food, um, beauty products, um, kids' clothes, fashion. And it turns out that women disproportionately in their households buy most of, make the decisions on both those things, on most of those things. So maybe I'm a little bit of an anomaly. um, You are, you would be. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's that's probably why you're feeling that. I think that's also starting to change. I also think that again, going back to generational change, Gen Z and, and millennials in their households, there is now going to be a difference. My husband definitely buys a lot more of the groceries and, and the household stuff. I mean, he buys all our baby stuff, for example. Mm. I mean, you know, it's not, I, I buy a small portion of it because I have a friend who has a business, but otherwise it, it's him. And, and I would think that his father probably wasn't making those, you know, buying those things. That's a good would point. Would have been exclusively his mother. So just in, in one generation, that's already changed. Um, so I think that you're, you're right. Companies, if they're listening, need to start advertising towards men more. I think that's a lost opportunity. But I think the reason for that is that women tend to control most of the household spending Makes on a sense. lot of these product categories. And I think there's a way to go about it too. It's got to have, I mean, it doesn't have to be like the Marlboro man, but it's got to have like a cool guy sort of vibe to it. I think for the certain type of male that they might be trying to appeal to. So I don't know what, I'm not a marketing or advertising expert by any since the imagination, we, but I, we have to bring up the Gillette ad. <laughs> oh gosh. Yes. Yes. That was, what did you think as a man? Oh gosh. You know, I was, gosh, could get pretty political here pretty fast, but, um, I think there's something happening to, I think the ad was great. And I think that there's probably a certain population that that really needs to be listened to. But I also think that, think guys are sort of losing their um guy testosterone factor um you know i think it's there's a lot of things that are doing like why why do we feel like we have to go and do like this obstacle course racing you know like running through the mud and climbing over stuff it's because we're not challenged that side of us isn't being challenged like that sort of almost barbaric or um I don't know how to explain it, but you know, we're in the air conditioning all day long in the summer and we're in the heat all day long in the, in the winter time. We're not, we're not pushing our boundaries the way that we need to be pushed. And, um, this is an aggression buildup or a frustration. Yes, I think it is. I think it is. And so there's, and you, you, you think it's a little bit different for men than, than for women on this particular part or do you think maybe women also have their own frustration build up i think they do too i think they do too um yeah i don't know what did you think about it at first i didn't 
I didn't think it was such a great ad. Just like from an ad point of view, actually, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was like so life changing. I'm just talking about the actual ad, like the, the production. Yeah. I didn't yeah. love the production. It wasn't an ad that made me like, remember that ad of the girl, the Nike girl, she's running. I forget. Anyway, there, there have been ads where I've watched them and from a visual and a production point of view, they've arrested me. That wasn't how I felt. But then I felt like it wasn't really geared at me. Um, I, I don't, I didn't really, I see why people thought that it was a, um, it was a bit gratuitous in the sense of, well, Gillette suddenly turning around. But then I put on my more cynical hat and I go, well, everyone's talking about them. <laughs> I mean, no one has forgot. Like everyone has now rem- is now thinking about Gillette. So it got it got the job done. Yes. But do I think that Gillette has the same track record as like a Patagonia on the environment, for example? No. no. Yeah, that's true. And people did comment a lot that compared to the Nike ad, which used um. I'm having a, a brain blank. You know the the footballer who won't kneel, who who won't kneel. Oh yes, yeah, American uh, What's his footballer name. Um, um, God, I've I've just blanked on his name. I, I I normally know it, but so that ad to me was much more powerful. Right. But Nike, for me, Nike's brand identity and the ad went much more together than Gillette's brand identity and the ad they did. But at the end of the day. If it's going to encourage certain men to kind of see, you know, push themselves to, to, to be compassionate to the experience of the women around them, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. really what I'm looking for out of that. Yeah, I'm sure it, it you know, it raised a few eyebrows and made, made people think. Yeah. So. It, it definitely made people mad. <laughs> yes, it did. And that's people. always the kind of thing that... That gets the most attention. So it would be interesting to be a fly in the wall in the meeting room when they decided. Like, I would, I'm actually more interested to know what did they think was going to happen versus what happened. Well, and yeah. What were they pushing for? That actually interests me. I think you're right, though. I mean, their main objective was almost sort of clickbaitish in the sense that, you know, they got everybody talking about Gillette and, and, you know, I mean, how, how that wasn't like a early morning thing. And then it fades out. That was like weeks and weeks that it's, that's been talked about. Absolutely. So We're talking about it now. Yes, we are. Um, I want to talk about your predictions. So mm. I didn't know that you were like a, a crystal ball predictor, but you actually pretty spot on for your predictions. So for, for, for 2000 and, uh, 19 actually you had some predictions that came true so let's start there so 2018 you had I think it was uh, 10 or 11 different predictions but a couple that I think you were really really spot on where you predicted that plant-based meat and seafood alternatives will, will flourish and that plastic free living will become the norm so I mean if you think about Beyond Burger and Impossible they were around before um, last year, but they like exploded. But 2018 was the year Boom. of plant protein alternatives. Yes, yeah. mm. yes. So I, is the question, how did I know? Or? Yes, it is. <laughs> well, I mean, as the editor of Green Queen and as, you know, as Green Queen, I get access to so much information. So, that's, I'm, right. so there's a lot of incoming information, one. Two, I'm a ridiculously obsessive reader. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, I maybe read three hours a day, probably at the expense of my sleep. Um, And three, data. So we have access to a ton of data on Green Queen. Um, What are readers searching for? What articles are clicking, Mm. getting the most clicks? Um, What are people searching on Google to find us? So with all of that together, that's sort of, that's my crystal ball input. Oh, I see. So I see where it's going. So I knew in October 2017 that 2018 was going to be the year of the plant-based went mainstream. And I also knew that zero waste was going to take off because of the data and because all the information that I was getting from all, you know, I, I find out before anyone else, what businesses are, are being launched, you know, all of that, um, you know, what products are coming into the market. You know, I, I, I usually get an insider's view to those things. So, um, I, I tend to also meet a lot of entrepreneurs that are just starting out. So I, I know where, where the, the mind, you know, where, where, the attention is. And so that's how I, I, that's why I started doing these predictions a few years ago. Um, just to say, you know, this is what's coming and people love trend predictions. Yeah. They're fun. Um, and yeah. And part of it is also data. So it's not completely just, it's not kind of what Sonali thinks it's okay. What's happening in the world and how can I cement this into discrete categories? Yeah. You, you do it well though. It's, it's, a, it's a fun piece. Um, so go check out her 2019 list. I want to share, if it's okay with you, I want to share yeah, a couple sure, of, of, of what you were predicting for this year. Um, especially after listening to your podcast on the fashion one, I really think, um, the circular economy going mainstream is, is, is definitely one. And I, that I'm already be right because the loot was announced. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that's a <laughs> yeah. nice quick, uh, check yeah, of the box a, there. Well, yeah. So we went from zero waste to circular economy, right? Because so tell everybody what that means really quick, just to make sure people well, understand. The, the year of zero waste is the year that people got sick of all, it, it's really more the year that plastic, single use plastics became unacceptable, right? right. Okay. So first, so I think 2018 was the year of raising awareness. Like, why are single use plastic bags? What is plastic doing to our environment? Um, there's this solution called living zero waste. What does it mean? We got rid of Camden's Ziploc bags in in your year of your prediction there. So, (laughs) so, so that's what 2018, that's what's happening there. But 2019 is let's take it a step further, right? Recycling is not working right now. How do we, how do we close the loop instead of, and this concept of the linear economy versus the circular economy. And that's, that's where their shift is really going to happen this year with this big announcement being the first one. Mm-hmm. It's a big trial from some huge companies in two major metropolitan areas in the world. And eventually I think it will go to the whole world. This is a, it's a test, right? That yes. they've just announced, but on quite a few products and, and many brands. Um, but what it's going to show, I think is that it works. Basically we're going back to the milkman. Yeah. That's really what's happening, right? Um, and it used to be sort of a boutique thing. Like I think Foodcraft here does this where if you get like a bottle of their homemade awesome almond milk, it's in a really nice glass jar and they give you a little cooler. And when they come to deliver your next thing, you set out your other one. And but I mean, good. even Foodcraft wasn't doing that two years ago. Really? Wow. That's last year that they launched so that. So you really were on that prediction. So, no, I mean, because they, <laughs> there's also demand and there's an understanding that they also have a role to play great. 
They also have a deal with um, Live Zero, which stocks their products that you can return all the jars there and then they go back into production. Oh, okay. Genie Juicery switched to, from plastic bottles to, or plant-based bottle, pl- plastic to glass bottles this year. So, and you can again bring all your, your glass bottles back and they will put them back in production. They call it recycling, but really it's reusing and that's circular economy. Mm-hmm. So I think the packaging wise, circular economy is really going to take off. We're going to realize like, let's go back to how we used to do things and stop wasting. And why do we need to make new packaging for everything we consume? Mm, gosh. Yeah. That just that alone would be a huge chunk of our waste. Just well, if you look at what's in the pollution, polluting the oceans, it's all packaging. A lot of it is packaging when it's not fishing nets. Yes. That's a whole other conversation. Fishing nets is but a big if, chunk. Of course, most of the plastic pollution in the ocean is the fishing nets, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, another thing that I think is going to get bigger is the the fight against eating seafood. Mm-hmm. Because I think for a long time, the the seafood industry has gotten away with, okay, well, as long as it's wild caught or it's ethically caught or as long as it's sustainably sourced or as long as it's like, it's farm, but it's like sustainably farm. But I right. think... And I've felt this for a long time. Um, So I've not eaten fish. The only fish I was still eating until recently were anchovies. Mm -hmm. But basically all other fish I really had stopped eating because I also know way too much about (laughs) about the fishing industry. And it's, it's it's quite scary once you start getting into it. But I think that for most people, they're told that fish is healthy. I gotta get those omegas. The the, the main message that has really succeeded over the last 10 years is salmon has got omega-3s and it's healthy. Mm -hmm. So everyone's eating salmon. Meanwhile, salmon is maybe one of the dirtiest fish you can eat. It's also one of the most unsustainable fish you can eat, even the farmed ones. So that I think is going to be a huge um, topic this year. And I think there's also going to be a lot of plant-based alternatives to fish that are going to come out. Yeah. I mean, shoot, flax is a great source of omega-3s. Oh, but I mean like the Beyond Burger. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because what Beyond and Impossible have done for me is they've made it sexy and trendy and and fun to eat to replace your protein with a plant source. And I think that that's going to happen. So you're saying that you think they're going to inject these um, uh, lab meats with omegas just to replace it from that sense? Is that what you think? No, I think there's going to be equivalents for tuna, for salmon. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. There's going to be products that are going to come out that are going to make it attractive to ditch seafood. But also the media headlines and the conversation is going to start getting more serious. Because at the end of the day, if you are um, anti-plastic, then you shouldn't eat fish. Because most of the plastic in the oceans is fishing nets. Right. So, so it would be like beyond there. tuna or beyond. So some people are very anti-plastic, but maybe they haven't thought about their diet. But I think that connection is going to be made. Yeah, that makes sense. And then sexy products are going to come along to make it easier to make mm-hmm. those choices. And yeah, but I think this idea that fish is super healthy, this myth is going to be dispelled. I'm not saying that orig- that fish was isn't healthy in a way, but a lot of the fish we eat is so um, unethically sourced. And I mean, you know, there's huge reports on the fact that like a lot of the foreign salmon that's everywhere, it's full of lice and bacteria. Anyway, mm. it's, it, that's a whole conversation, but that stuff is going to become more mainstream knowledge. Yeah. Whereas right now when I talk to people, the average Joe or Jane, it's very much like fish is healthy. That's it. Yeah, that's the, the conversation. Well, there's a lot of pescatarians, right? That, you know, are going totally Which vegan. Which used to be considered the healthier 
omnivore diet, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Another prediction. Um, the commodification of relaxation. What do you mean by that one? So I think fitness and yoga have really taken off in the last 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone knows that they that fitness is important. Most people try different workouts. You know, boutique fitness has really taken off. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think is coming is going back to your wellness balance um, model. Um, people have never been so stressed. They've never been so stimulated. And part of this digitalization of our lives is that we're overstimulated. Yes. And so relaxation is more important than ever. Yes. And so that's why I do see you're going to start seeing a lot more relaxation gyms, meditation gyms, um, things like sound baths and and type of, you know, Tibetan sound bath classes, gong therapy, all of these kind of ways to really de-stress and calm down and lower your blood pressure is going to become more and more important as, and especially as we continue to get even more digitally connected. I have to agree with that. I think there is a a definite parallel between our continuing increasing use of digital media and the fact that we're not exactly getting slower with our jobs and with our families. It's always faster, 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 more, 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 get to the gym, get out, go take such and such to school. I mean, it's just, it's only getting faster. you're expected now to be constantly looking at your phone for work (laughs) and answer your emails. Yeah. So we're over-connected, we're over-digitally stimulated. So anything, to your point, anything that helps us get into that parasympathetic state where we're relaxing is, is... there is going to be, I have to agree with this prediction. I think there's going to be a market for, in New York City, there's this place called um, Recover. And they, it's a little bit more fitness oriented where it's cold uh, thermogenesis and, you know, the the boots um, that help increase blood flow and those types of things. So, with, with, so that's for a performance right. goal. But that's going to lead to, because what improves performance is meditation and relaxation. Yeah, so. Absolutely. And um, to tie it in, everything's connected. Yeah. And to tie it in a lot, a lot more people are looking at their, their heart rate variability. Yes. And and that's a really good way to look at how parasympathetic you are on a daily basis. And if you're getting a, you know, a low HRV score three days in a row, it's in the tank three days in a row. Hmm. Maybe I need to go do some more parasympathetic stuff like gratitude journaling, like going to, you know, one of the things you talked about, do some personal meditation. So I think that's, I think that anytime people are having trouble getting it done on their own, it is going to become a commodity. So I think that's a, that's a good prediction. I'm going to do one more because you have so many good ones, but one more, um, huge, absolutely huge right now in the wellness space is CBD huge. And I haven't tried it yet, but like a lot of folks back in the U S have, have tried it. I think the access there is a little bit easier. Um, it's coming here. I can you tell you so? already. I know I, you know, in I your get, article I, you said I it's legal. Emails. It is. It is legal. Again, going back first, we have to explain canna CBD yeah. is cannabidoid oil, right? It's not um, hallucinogenic. Mm-hmm. It is not like smoking a joint to get high. So 
most people are a bit confused about that cbd sounds like it might be drugs and it's not considered drugs um but it's actually linked to what we were just talking about which is this need to kind of take care of your parasympathetic system because what cbd oil does on a very granular cellular level is it completely relaxes you Mm -hmm. and so and it relaxes your cells and your 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 insides um it's not just mental it's actually physically relaxes you so um i think there's you know one it's going to become a a buzzword people you know we most people haven't heard about it they're going to know about it and a meme (laughs) definitely a meme (laughs) And then two, it's already going to be, it's already, there's already a lot of applications for it, but it, you're going to start seeing it in beauty products and in foods mm. a lot. Um, I mean, there are, you can already buy CBD beauty products here. Yeah. Like creams and stuff creams, like that. Yeah. yeah. Which to, to calm, calm your body. And so that's going to be huge. And then um, it's, you know, you mentioned that people are checking up their heart rate variability. That's to me part of this, um, the the life hacking um um trend yeah. that also was big and that was in my trends last year which is this obsession with kind of keeping track of all your numbers mm-hmm. and 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 you know the iot thing where you like have all these devices that kind of tell you like how you sleep and how you do this one thing that's going to be big is going to be meditation um hardware oh like vr like, no like like bands you put on your head that track What's going on oh, in your brain cool. while you meditate, right? There's going to be a lot of IoT in the relaxation space. Again, going back to the com- commodification of relaxation. And then the CBD is linked to that um, because CBD can help you kind of lower your numbers and keep you at a at a more calm, relaxed level. And so it's going to be in people are in pursuit of that optimal relaxation level and because mm-hmm. it's, it's considered part of health now ah absolutely I, I think it's exciting so for hong kong i know in your article um it's technically legal but um at least in i think this was a month ago or so they hadn't actually worked with any companies to bring it in like it had to be signed off as a distributor or something like that so right i think that is true but i know there are still some places you can actually get it oh interesting and I, I mean literally two days ago i just got an email from someone who wants to sell cbd products in hong kong it's the fourth this year already oh wow okay so, so it's, it's coming. coming it's, it's coming. coming yeah it's exciting the good thing about hong kong is you can go from zero to everywhere in two months you <laughs> when know? you've got the biggest it's port not, in the world right it's, it's not yeah, that it's, hard. but it's also hong kong is very quick to adapt to trend you know when yoga oh, okay. took off it took off everyone the minute someone smells that there's a business opportunity, you'll see CBD will be everywhere. <laughs> it is a good place to, to be a entrepreneur. I, I mean, when I, I'm a, I, my company boost is a, is a Hong Kong limited company and they do a nice job of for some things like getting a bank account in Hong Kong that can take months. <laughs> that's not, that's, that's a certain bank's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. But, but starting a business, they, it, it is business friendly. It's a good place. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Um, I, w- I know I need to let you go. I've had you for a long time. I want to talk real quickly about Eco Warehouse. Tell us a little bit about this other company of yours. Very quickly. Um, so it's a global trade platform where buyers or entrepreneurs or food manufacturers can look for products, um, specifically certified organic products. So the whole point of the platform is to um, 
at, to make to to make access to organic products easier and cheaper because the more people choose organic the more the prices will come down and the more we can have safe agriculturally grown products for everyone and so um it's really for food manufacturers because obviously you you might know that organic has really taken off it's a huge industry it's an industry worth 130 billion dollars worldwide wow it's going to be more than triple that within just a few years we're looking at 400 billion by 2023 or 2024 i mean it, organic is 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 going gaga it's even bigger in the numbers and than the plant-based movement but maybe wow. it's lost a little bit of popularity because <laughs> plant-based has become so big but at the end of the day organic what is organic it's a it's a way to farm that mm -hmm. is that helps keep the soil healthy and we need the soil to be healthy so that our waterways can be healthy our air can be healthy and so that the food that we grow is can nourish us mm -hmm. and there's a huge issue now where a lot of the food we eat is nutritionally very weak yes and that's because of the soil um so you know if you believe in organic farming you you really believe in that mission to to replenish our soil uh, to re rehabilitate our soil through organic farming and um so we created a platform where all the suppliers are vetted so their companies are vetted and their organic certification is vetted that's awesome. so that you can feel safe when you're um sourcing for products and so we have users from over 150 countries and we have all kinds of products everything from dried goods to fresh produce to prepare to processed foods like supplements or teas or or you know nuts and seeds and superfood powders protein powders we have huge companies sourcing from us because they want to have safe organic ingredients for their for their products that's really great you know just honing in on the supplement piece of it mm -hmm. you know it's not regulated by the fda fda in the u.s so it's not but in order to have an organic supplement you need a certificate okay so that part is regulated the organic part so if part. if i'm looking at a supplement that says it has an organic ingredient with the organic stamp on there then it has to have well been... there's a difference between made with organic ingredients which okay. does not have to be regulated but you cannot put a seal on your product and then certified organic that means that the processed product has gotten certified okay and we only work with um you know Nonprofit and government labels, so USD Organic, EU Organic, Australia Organic. We don't work with private organic organic labels. Okay, to as, avoid conflict of interest. Is there a benefit as a consumer to go and like look at? The, do you have like a list of the brands that are on there to, no, to see? No, what we do have is a very useful guide to organic labels. Okay, and but but it is very much geared to trade. So it's B two B. It is B two B. Okay, so it's good. a site for professionals and trade people and you know, basically, um, food manufacturers. So we have a lot of, um, we see a lot of new brands mm. when they're about to start because we know because they're sourcing from products. Well, it just even as a consumer, even though I'm not you know trying to source there, it just feels good to know that there's somebody out there helping the you know companies trying to source products get the best stuff so that's that's and, good and, as a consumer and trusted stuff yeah i think especially in asia that is an issue yeah that's true following the paperwork trail we've we've shut down a couple of companies wow yeah people who tried to sign up and and their certificate was was fraudulent don't mess with the green queen man. <laughs> <laughs> get shut down exactly i ask everybody this question and 
nobody better than the green queen to ask how you find your wellness balance. It can be anything in the seven dimensions we've talked about. What are some of the things that you do to stay balanced? Going to see the trees, which I'm missing lately. And then eating food that's cooked at home. Mm, I like that. Food from scratch. Like I'm a, I'm a cook. That's what I enjoy doing. I cooking. I find it super relaxing. I'm always trying to think of new ways, especially to plant-based something. And I just can't think of anything more joyful than to eat really delicious food that was cooked at home with love. That's awesome. What's your what's your? Although best... I do love a, a good Beyond Burger. <laughs> Beyond Burger is nice. Yeah. And I just discovered I've just started cooking with Omni Pork. The new. I haven't tried it yet. It's so good. I haven't tried. You know, I was at the airport. Dave's got uh, Omni Pork. Uh, David Yang of of Green Common has Omni Pork in. Um, oh, it's like a little healthy um restaurant that's in the airport i can't think of the name of it right now but anyway they're making like a meatball sub and they're using omni pork and that but they were sold out of it when i went to go try to get one so i was like oh shoot but it's good the distribution for omni pork has been amazing i mean in just a few short months they're everywhere and what's great is they're in there in a lot of local places you know not just kind of western style cafes it's mostly because what's so genius about omni pork is that it is a food that replaces a staple of an Asian diet, which yes. is minced pork. Right. Yeah, that's huge. It, Asians use minced pork in their cuisine a lot more than Westerners would, you know. That was what was really eye-opening to me moving here a couple of years ago. I knew I could figure out my plant-based routine because I would cook a lot and figure out stuff when we eat out. But just the just the amount of pork that's in just standard cuisine here is it's right. Pork um, is the, is the meat of choice. So that's why he tackled that with Omni pork. And that was really smart, but it's a great product. I, I just was cooking with it two days ago and yesterday. What's your best go-to dish? What do you, what do you like to cook at home? That's uh, that you plant-based ized. Oh, that's hard. I cook different things every day. That's good. (laughs) I'm really bad about having recipes. Okay. Like I'll literally do something completely different. That sounds like a real chef then. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just really enjoy it. But what I make most is sort of a, what I call um, Otto Lange food. So Otto Lange is really, you know, no, you know, uh. he's like a really uh, famous chef from oh. London. He's Israeli and actually his, his original restaurant partner is um, Palestinian. And so they, they started with this deli in Notting Hill in London and, and it's tons of baked goods but also tons of beautiful salads and roasted vegetables and he was really somebody that put vegetables in the forefront he's not vegan Hmm. or even plant-based but he really elevated the humble vegetables to greatness nice and he convinced you know a whole generation of, of eaters and cooks to celebrate vegetables and so a lot of what i cook is like a, like it'll be like a bunch of roasted cauliflower with herbs or a wild rice palaf and lots of dips like a hummus or a homemade baba ganoush. So I, I eat a lot of, I like dinners where there's a few things to choose. Yeah. So I yeah. tend to make, you know, roasted pepper. So I'll, I'll tend to always have three or four different things going on. And then my husband makes um, homemade chapatis at home. So that's oh, like nice. the Indian bread that's literally just flour and water and you don't even need to cook it in oil. It, you just cook it on heat. And so that with like a bunch of salads and dips, that's, that's our staple. That's awesome. You know what I like to do? Um, I have my, it's Paul's world famous cashew dip. 
Ooh. So I'll, it's like, it's one of the things I missed when I went vegan was like, it's disgusting, but you know, you would get the Velveeta and mix oh, it with cool. a Rotel, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've tried it only once, but yeah. it, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. But I know most of my American friends grew up with something yes. like that. Yes. So like you, the seven layer dips and yeah, the nacho dips. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you're watching the ball game and you're having some of that. Yeah. yeah. Dips are all, I'm all about dips They're and good. sauces. So, so how do you do it? Well, it's a very simple recipe. But what I like to do is, is make it and bring it to a party and they may or may not know that I'm plant-based, but I'll bring it and I'll just like, what's this? I'll just try it and see. It's got a little spice to it, but if you like spice, I think you'll like it. Oh, that's really good. What is that? And then I'll tell them that's cashew cheese. And like, what's cashew cheese? And it's like, well, it doesn't have any dairy and it's just cashews. And I actually put, I guess I missed that Rotel, which is just peppers and tomatoes. And I, so I put Rotel in it. And um, some spices, and of course, the key ingredient to make it cheesy is nutritional yeast. Yes, and it's fantastic. And so, it's kind of a fun little way to get people maybe somewhat interested about plant-based. I love it. You've just reminded me. I need to get back into making cashew dips. Mm. Yeah, there's all many years ago. I used to. I used to do that actually, and I used to bring them to parties too, but. Now I don't go to that many parties because I have a newborn. Yes, that makes I'll it all. definitely make some for me. Okay. Cashews just, they're the best. They are because they, you a know. A lot the, of the best plant-based cheeses are cashew-based. And I like cashew milk too. It's just a little bit more creamy too. So I like to, to have it's that one. There's a great little room. spot in Kennedy Town called Infinity Sea where they make their own homemade cashew milk. Oh, I'll have to check it out. So like if you get, you know, a nice golden latte or something. See, I'll just ask you questions if I ever need yeah, <laughs> an please. idea of something. Anytime. You're like the pro, Hong Kong pro. Absolutely. Well, Sonali, thank you so much for joining the Boost Health podcast today. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I know so you got to get been... back to your little baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such an honor. I've had such a good time on this conversation. We've covered a lot of different topics. We have. We have. We had our list of things that we wanted to talk about. I think we did a good job yeah. covering everything. We'll have to have you back on again sometime. I would love there's to. There's a lot of stuff I still want to chat with you about. So I would love to. we got to talk more about the rest of the 2019 predictions as the year yes. goes on. Well, we could re- revisit in a few months see yeah. what's going on. That sounds good. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all very much for listening to the show today. Also, thank you to Sonali Figueres for joining me. A few things you can do to help out Boost Health if you would be so kind. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast in your podcast app. Leave a review on the Boost Health Facebook page. Subscribe to the Boost Health TV YouTube channel and follow My Boost Health on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything along with more motivation and information. Until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Sonali Figueres saying goodbye and find your balance.